So, I'd just like to ask for questions tonight. Yes. Welcome. Nice to see you again. Um, I've heard that one, when one comes to Baba, one comes to New Baba, and after New Baba is Old Baba. But you don't come to New Baba and Old Baba in the same lifetime. So it seems that you have to take a new life, another life, to go into New Baba. So why is it that a new life is required to move from New Baba to Old Baba? Well, I think that the point that um, the Goswami is making in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu with that comment is in essence that the um, attainment of bhava requires very intense practice and, and in the first place. And, and then to develop the prem as well, culture, the culture of prem, excuse me, of, of bhava into prem it also takes some time. So bhava is, in one sense, characterized by two stages, kind of a beginning and an end. The the, the angur or the prem, excuse me, the 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 sprout, the sprout of um, one's dominant uh, self-defining emotion in relation to Krishna, and. Um, and then through the culture of that, the sprout turns into uh, the really fully formed stayibhav, which in one sense is, is synonymous with rasa. Hmm? So the stayibhav has a sprout and, it, and then it, it grows, so to speak, and, and develops in, com- in combination with different other uh, ecstatic ingredients, the different bhavas, uh, Sanchari bhavs, vibhavs, and so forth, anubhavs, sattvika bhavs, it, as I say, it, it becomes um, uh, what we call rasa. So, and, and sometimes the stai bhav is talked about in terms of the hunku, the sprout, sometimes it's talked about in terms of being synonymous with prem or the end of bhava. So, in, in general, just as it is rare to achieve bhava, by which we mean it takes time. Well, by which we mean, number one, it can only be attained by a particular type of sadhana. Hmm? Not by yoga sadhana, not by the sadhana of, of, of jnana and, and other, other paths, hmm? sankhya, so forth and so on. There are different paths, obviously. So it's rare. And in this sense, it can only be attained by one type of sadhana. That means uttam bhakti in the sadhana uh, stage, either vaidhi bhakti or rag bhakti, either way. Um, and secondly, it's rare to attain because one has to pass through all the different stages that are prior to it that are intensification of the, our cleansing of the heart. Uh, uh, adorning of the taste and the culture of that and attachment to the object of love and so forth. So the stages of nishta, ruchi, asakti, after that bhava comes. So that takes some time. So that's what it means when it's said that bhava is sudurlaba, rarely attained. Hmm? 
not to be discouraged, but the, the, the rarity, that doesn't mean, oh, well, it's only for a few people. It means there's only a particular way to do it. And in the context of doing that, you have to pass through different stages. So it's not going to come right away in the, new be- in the, in the, in the beginner. Then, okay, we're, we're kind of backtracking a little bit then. We come into bhava. Hmm? So bhava's attained, but the Goswami says, I think it's Jiva Goswami's commentary on Rupa Goswami's verse there in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, that, um, or Vishwanath Chakravati Thakur perhaps, that the uh, first attaining bhava, basically, you have to take birth again as in bhava, hmm? in order to have the kind of intensity in the culture of bhava to attain the preem. I don't think there's really a law there because the spirit of it is that it, as bhava bhakti is rare to attain, so the culture of preem, or excuse me, the culture of bhava that turns into preem has to be considerable. So if I come to, if I experience the sprout of bhava and take birth again, then in that life, that culture will, will begin. At, I, I'll enter into the, you know, the parampara and pass through the stages very quickly. That's what you kind of find, in my uh, estimation, the life of bhakti vinod. You find him passing through all the stages, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, bhava, you know, uh, and, and so on. And of course, he writes um, Jaiva Dharma like that as well. It's also, with regard to Jaiva Dharma, it's also notable that if you study it, you can see that. The, the two principal characters there, Bijay Kumar and um, Rajanath, they're coming to their bhakti from positions of inquisitiveness and knowledge rather than from out of material distress or in, in want of uh, material acquisition. They're Shastra bit, they're quite learned in, in the scriptures and so on and so forth. So they progress rapidly. But if you read the autobiographical, if you will, sometimes it's called letter of Bhakti Vinod to his his son Late Prashad, it uh it uh he, he depicts himself or describes himself as passing through various stages, including prior to Bhakti, affiliations with different uh, ideas, Christian ideas, um uh, uh Mayavad ideas and so forth. It's like he just like considered them, passed on, went to the next, and so it came to Chaitanya Bhakti. And in his life, we see, although he talks about the different stages and he gets initiated and so forth, it seems very easy for him. Now, of course, some people will talk of him as a Nichisiddha and so forth. We've been through that kind of discussion. He doesn't depict himself in that way hmm? in his own writing. And this is a good example this letter to Leap Prashad. Um, you know, people talk about Prabhupada, my Guru uh, our Guru Maharsha, for some of us here, or all of us, whatever, being a uh, a uh, Nityasiddha. But he didn't talk about himself like that. In fact, he particularly stated that the case was otherwise and cited Bhagavad Gita as, as um, um, scriptural support for his own life of taking birth in the family of Vaishnavas, which is said to be the the, uh, the the result of one whose practices is not uh, perfect hmm, in the previous birth. Um, so he presented himself as a sadhana siddha, 
um, which is, again, uh, we've talked about this before, quite more uh, typical and to be expected, because the associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, hmm, or the associates of Krishna, let's say the associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they are associates of Krishna, so they, when Mahaprabhu comes, they come with him. When he goes, they go as well. These are the Nityasiddhas, uh, typically. We're not saying that they can't come otherwise, and there is some sometimes, maybe Brihad Bhagavatamrita talks about an avatar coming and some devotees coming with him, but it's a similar principle to deliver people and so forth, They're coming with the avatar. Lord, I have Baba Kumara coming. He brought on his son and Baba Kumara to help his family. Well, yeah, but Gopal Kumara wasn't a Nityasiddha. He describes his whole life as a sadhaka. Hmm. But he was in the spiritual world, though, so not. Well, I mean, it's not. It's 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 it's, it's a. The book is not to be taken literally in every respect. I mean, it's just, it's a. He's making philosophical points. Um, he's a perfect perfect. You know, he's the point here. He's a perfect devotee. Therefore, he's a perfect qualified person to be the guru and so forth. Anyway, so. Um, I'm not making a statement as to the a definitive statement that no Nityasiddha can, can come to the world, but I'm saying the typical um, and more characteristically the idea is that there are sodden citizens and we should be glad about that um, and they have a special position indeed Sanatana Goswami gives a special position to Prahlad whom he depicts as the sodden Siddha in Bhakti, uh, in um, Priyat Bhagavatamrita, someone who's been tested, whose love has been tested, see? Better than Nityasiddhas. So, there's just different ways of talking about it, of course. Um, but at any rate, Bhakti um, um, depicted himself as such. There are statements maybe by Bhakti Siddhanta speaking of him as, as someone who was, uh, well, the seventh Goswami and um, um, I don't know if he said literally he's a Nityasiddha, but he, he felt that there were things in him that weren't in Bipin Bihari Goswami, his initiating guru. He also thought they were in Jagannath Das Babaji, so he made that connection. But at any rate, hmm. there are, we should say, Sadhana Siddhas who would attain bhava and take birth and then um, pass through the stage very quickly and, and then they're very, then, and the intensity of their culture of Bob is there from the beginning of their life as a the next life, and and so that kind of example has been given. But again, the Goswami it was either Vishwanath or Shijiba Goswami commenting on Upa's verse. I'm, I'm quite sure there he says that the, the idea here is, and this is this want the spirit of the law that it takes a lot of intense, very intense culture to perfect the, the Baba. So it might not necessarily be that one has to literally take another birth, but mm-hmm. but um, it's the same kind of, the spirit of it is the same as it's rare to attain Baba. Within Baba, it, it's, of course, you know, you can't really have Baba and not be intense <laughs> in your in your culture and so forth, but he's, this is, seems to be the, the, the point that he's um, emphasizing, kind of a 
a second rarity, if you will, you know, attaining praying, something like that. The, um, so even if not physically yeah. taking a new body, it is kind of a, it's a, it's a new body in some sort going into the old body because you're going into such intense, going toward prema and intense practice. Well, I think they're talking about taking another birth. Yeah, that's what they were. Literally. They were literally <laughs> saying that, yeah. Yeah. You're saying that's a principle, not necessarily. Well, they go on to say that, and I believe they state the principle there in the commentary, and and so they've talked about it in that way, as so as to illustrate the principle. Now you could say, okay, literally, that, and then one has to take birth, attain bhav, take birth, hmm? and then from there, in that birth, culture perfect the culture of bhav and attain prem. So. You know, it takes you three births. You know, first, one birth, you, or two births. One birth, one, one birth to attain bhav, another birth in bhav to attain brain, and then another birth in Krishna lila. So sometimes it's at least three, something like how many lifetimes? So. Um, but uh, I don't, like I say, I don't look at it like as a as a rule and. Um, and indeed, I mean, we know that uh, someone can attain perfection in a moment, but Krishna can bless someone. And there are examples of that who do not have no sadhana and, and, and so on. So the principle, I think, is more important. Yes? Um, when we look at uh, sadhana bhakti as, as the Gaudiya uh, Vaishnava practices it, um, how does that tie into Lord Krishna's uh, statement to Arjuna that um, if he makes a little practice, he goes to a heavenly planet. If he makes a little progress, he ascends to the heavenly realm. If he makes a lot of practice, he comes back. Does that tie into the Gaudiya stages of Sadhana Bhakti in some way? Well, you're talking about the sixth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, which is about Astanga Yoga. Um, it's, but it's really, I would say, about Astanga Yoga and mixed with bhakti, and it culminates in an advocacy of bhakti as the best and superlative uh, position. Um, and so, as much as yoga is a sadhana, uh, Prabhupada has applied the verses in that chapter about not attaining perfection um, and how one will attain if after a little practice not perfect heaven the planets after a long practice still not perfect birth in a Vaishnava family um, is it birth in the heavenly planets and or birth in a pious family or then from there birth in a pious I forget but at any rate, this is a section about the, the yogi. Hmm? I mean, Prabhupada applied it to the to, to bhakti as well, and there are stages in bhakti and so forth. But I I've never heard anything to say what determines a little in, with regard to the stages of bhakti, nishta, ruchi, asakti. What determines a lot, um, and uh, and so forth. But that said, um, if we want to look at it and try to uh, think about it along those lines. What means a little bit of practice in bhakti 
that would constitute going to the heavenly planets and then, that's, I think, I'm sure, question what it says, then taking birth in a pious family or uh, a wealthy family or something like that. Implication being that you have a wind to your back, your material situation is, is, is covered, you know, you don't have to be concerned about that, or there's a pious family that is, supports the culture of your, you know, spiritual pursuit and so forth. Um, or if you're more advanced in the birth in a family of transcendentalists, right? So, if we want to look at those two statements of the Gita in relation to the status of bhakti, then, uh, although no one that I know has written or commented along these lines, you're asking the question. So one way to think spiritually about it, reason spiritually about it, is to, is to look and see what the stages of bhakti constitute. So when you, when, if you look at the stages of bhakti up to nishta, then you have a practice that, prior to nishta, that is intermittent, that, that is, constitutes a, you know, a learning curve, there are ups and downs, um, the, the principal and arthurs are not removed, uh, while the ideal may be to attain Krishna Prem, a clear understanding of that may not be there. Um, the implication is that material desires are not the, uh, as, uh, they're more prominent hmm? prior to the stage of Nishta. I mean, if you are you know, humbler than a blade of grass, you're more tolerant than the tree, you're offering respect to everybody, Expecting the honor for himself, yourself, you're not really living in the world, um, and uh, so <laughs> the stage of nishta then is really a kind of a demarcation, and I have referred to it as an interim goal, where where the, the fire of material existence, as it's sometimes described, has been extinguished. Hmm? There's still some smoke lingering there. Hmm? And so, some residue influence of This is describing the stage. Hmm? So this, these Bhagavatam verses follow one after the other and they describe the stage of Nishta. It's described as a stage in which Therefore, tada-rajas-tamo-bhava-kama-loba. Rajas and tamas, and the corresponding kama and loba, rajaguna, tamagun, kama, desire, lust, and loba, greed, etc., are retired. There may be some... The fire from them is retired. There may be some smoke left. But it's not getting in the way of one's practice, so it's 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 over. The to use Prabhupada's example, the the fan, the plug in the electric fan has been pulled. Hmm? If I come in and the fan's going around and I say, Turn off the fan and you say, you know, I, I already did, I pulled out the plug and I look, Oh, okay, it's off. It's still going around, but I know it's off because the plug is pulled. Hmm? So this is how the stage of Nishta is described. becomes So he's starting to have It's not really speaking about sattva guna. is speaking about sudasattva. Is prominently there's a he's actually or she's actually 
starting to have like a consistent experiential spiritual uh, practice. Hmm? And what is the prior verse? Nasta praeshu, badreshu, almost retired, inauspicious things. Practically, they're retired. If you have the box of camphor, you open it up, you take the camphor out, and you close the box. Then I give you the box and you open it up, you smell camphor, but there's no camphor there. So you can't do anything with it. So some residue, some trace, some smoke, you know, you can say, and the fire is still blazing, you know, in Northern California, and they've got the helicopters out there, you know, then it's, the fire's out, and then you can drive and you can still see all the smoke, but it's out. So there's smoke, but it's just like, no, it's, it's over. It's like you can almost celebrate, you think, smoke, you know, it looks... Prior to that, you see smoke, oh God, it's a, look, there's a fire, it's starting, you know, then it's a whole issue, smoke, fire, but fire out and smoke there, then smoke is not of much consequence. So, nasta preeshu abhadreshu nityam bhagavati sevaya. Bhagavati uttama shloki bhakti bhagavati naishtiki. Naishtiki means nishta, so it means he or she is also regularly hearing the Bhagavatam, means their they're, they're intellect, intelligence is engaged. So, according to their intellectual capacity, they're, they're not, not just understanding the scripture, not becoming scholars necessarily, but their practice is such that they can hear the teaching and get it. Hmm? They can get it. They can land on their feet. They can read it and, and, and start to get it. They're starting to speak the language. Hmm? You know, you're familiar with it. Oh, I understand it. Yeah, it's they, you see that people maybe maybe apparently steady in their practice and rigid and so forth, but they don't. They're not able to land on their feet with a with a with a right understanding. They'll hear things wrong. They'll tend to interpret statements wrong and quote them on the internet and think they mean something other than what they do and and and, and, and so forth. Um, Someone may not have any intellectual type of uh, or a scholarly type of disposition, but the, but they 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 are acquainted with the Bhagavatam, not the pressure, but they like to hear the Bhagavatam. They hear it, and as I say, they they're starting to land on their feet. They they get it. Hmm? That means that you see, it's not just information collecting because we can see. I've seen, for example, some devotees. Um, not well. I don't know if I should give, give an example. I can give a, an example. That may it's. Uh, I don't want to go too far with this, but I I I, I knew a fellow once, a devotee, um, and he was a disciple. He's a disciple of Prabhupada, and he um, had connected with a sadhu. Who he considered his Siksha guru, and then he was in a group that had a administrative body that determined that, in, by their own uh, less than spiritual calculus, that that person whom he accepted as a Siksha guru was not a qualified Siksha guru. And so they made this kind of edict, you know, you can't have him as your, this person as your Siksha Guru. 
So that devotee, the next night, went to another devotee who was in that group, who was from India, and his name was Gorgobinda Maharaj, and he was a little, a little more rustic in his kata and so forth. So this other devotee went to him and said, would you be my Siksha Guru? So he asked him to be a Siksha Guru. The guy looked at him, and Gorgobinda Maharaj looked at him like, what the? He's come over here tonight and asked me to be, you know, what's going And so I thought it was rather um, illustri- illustrative of how someone could, how you could just drop your Siksha Guru because somebody else said he's not bona fide. I mean, don't you know? I mean, are you getting anything there? So by some law, it's decided this person isn't qualified. So, okay, push him aside, go over and get this one. And so where is the... The, the paripashnena, the sevaya, hmm? that are the characteristics. I've given the story before, uh, the characteristics of the disciple. Prabhupada was sitting, it's a funny story, but he was sitting in Philadelphia and um, he was having a darshan and Surup Damodar Maharaj, one of his disciples who was a scientist, a biologist, whom Prabhupada encouraged to go on with his education and preach to the scientists and so forth, um, founding member, member of his Prabhupada's Bhaktivedanta Institute, he had brought a college professor to the uh, to the darshan that night, and maybe maybe the Maharaj was going to school there. It was one of the teachers. He was a was one of the theology teachers, so he came to have darshan of Prabhupada, and so he said, "Swamiji, I have a question." And so Prabhupada asked, "What's the question?" And he said, "Who is God?" And so Prabhupada, I mean, you know, he said, uh, he said, you are a theologian and you don't know who is God? <laughs> what do we call this? He turns to Sarupadamadar. And Sarupadamadar says, we call that cheater, not teacher. Which is, you know, something that Prabhupada would have said on the morning walk. They are cheater, not teacher, you know. <laughs> and the man's sitting right there. And so... Uh, <laughs> that's what we were like, you know, and that's what Prabhupada was like. But anyway, the the man was not, you know, he was um, patient and whatnot, and, <laughs> and he wasn't put off. And he said, um, "No, I I want to know. I'm asking you. Hmm? I guess the implication I can't be a cheater. I want to know. You know, I, you know more, so I want to know. I, I want to. I'm sincere. I want to know." And so Prabhupada said. Um, and he said, "No, I, I want to know." And uh, I, Prabhupada said, "You must, you must ask submissively." He said, "Yes." He quoted the verse from Gita, hmm? fourth chapter, where it describes uh, we should approach the guru like this: with with submission and uh, service uh, attitude and questions, essential questions. That might make progress. So he quoted the verse. He stood up like this and quoted the verse. And Prabhupada said, Not like that. He said, Like this. And then he pointed to them and he went, Shaved heads. And they were, This is submission. Then you can know. <laughs> He's a professor you know, at the university and so forth. So um, anyway, Prabhupada was, I don't know what happened after that, but Prabhupada was making the, the point that the way of knowing. Hmm, the British came to uh, India. 
as you know, the original Ox Orientalists, so they're called, I think, the, the British uh, and German scholars, coming to uh, debunk, you know, Hinduism and, and establish the true one, you know, religion. It was just as it was thought by them, Christianity. And they went to their books and, you know, started, started to translate them and so forth. But the, the Brahmins' position was they can't understand the books properly. Even if they understand them, write about them, and uh, I'll give you another example. Once we were sitting with Pramod Puri Goswami Maharaj, and, and a certain person's name was mentioned who was a Mayavadi. He was in Vrindavan speaking, and he was speaking on Chaitanya Bhakti. Hmm? And um, so someone said that so and so, you know, he gave a very nice class on, you know, Chaitanya Charitamrita. And, and Puri Goswami laughed and said, They know the philosophy better than us. <laughs> he chuckled. Hmm? Um, but. They don't have any bhakti, hmm? so you can you know you can learn it intellectually. You can gather information, you can remember it, and and so on and so forth. But whether you get it, you know. Conversely, the other nice story is how uh, Puriyoshami Maharaj told me that that once a a every educated man came to see Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthakar and asked him to explain Bhagwat to him, Srimad Bhagavatam. And he said, without being facetious in any way, he, he, he responded, ask so-and-so Das, who was the gardener. Hmm? He understands Srimad Bhagavatam. Hmm? And the gardener, you know, didn't know one shloka from the Bhagavatam, but he, he thought, felt that he had understood the spirit of that. So there's something, you know, more there. There's a way to learn this. This is a different kind of knowledge. I've often said we are accustomed to collecting knowledge and putting it in our files, so to speak, and pulling it out and using it when it's convenient for our purposes, for our agenda. Hmm? But this knowledge, really properly understood, has an agenda of its own, and we're on it. And that's really, like, different. <laughs> we're, it's alive. Hmm? It's the, the, the substratum of all knowledge speaking to us. And, uh, and so there's a different way of learning, assimilating, acquiring that. And so there has to be a spirit behind it of service and uh, and submission and uh, and and, and yeah, there was uh, another another example that proper would give lectures or darshan lecture in his room sometimes in india and if there was an indian boy in the back listening typically this is typical and probably would say afterwards so oh, you understand he said yes and then it would probably just go then and then you'd find that boy in washing pots probably just go then and he was there Nobody asked them to wash pots. They had a communication. It was a culture, you know, the Bengali culture, and probably, you know. So, you understood? So then? Then? You know, he, he might not have understood any of the points, but he, you know, he was, he got it, you know, in, in essence, and there he was. So he, he understood. Hmm. <laughs> so, um, so, uh, where, where, where did we get there? So, so, yeah, so, so I'm saying that there's a, there's a, in this stage, there's the, 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 the nishta is not just. Um, it, it, it's, it's when we say nasta preshu abadrishu nitam bhagavatseva, you know, regularly studying the bhagavatam. It doesn't mean they have to be a scholar upon it, hmm? but they're able to like get it right, land on their feet, so to speak, when they hear it and assimilate. And uh, and this comes from practice, from a certain um, culture, hmm? uh, not just from collecting 
information, and then you you find the information collectors often they don't often they don't understand, hmm? and um, and they may be engaged in things that are barring them from actually understanding, even though they're poring over the the text intellectually and so forth. Really, of course, the intellectual application when we apply ourselves to the text, which was what they're there for. How does the Gita end in this regard? Well, you're thinking of it a little differently. With with their intellect. So, to study the scripture is to worship Krishna with the intellect. But the idea is that we study the scripture with a view to find out something and then use that to apply ourselves to in the practice. Hmm? Get a point that applies. I know I should, I should embrace that point. This is a foundational stone now in the, in the temple that I'm building in my heart. Hmm? So we're not, in other words, just getting the knowledge to you know, stimulate the intellect. Otherwise, that you'll get after a while. You'll you'll get it. You understand it. Next, I understand. You ever met these people who think they understood Gaudiya Vaishnavism and they, they can they can speak it pretty well and they can cite things. They don't get it at all. They don't get it at all because if they did, I'll give you another nice example. Pramod Bhakti Bhakti Balabhatirthamarsh, his group published a little book. Of his talks on Pallad Charit, the, uh, the the uh, character chapters of Bhagavatam about Pallad Maharaj, there's ten chapters there, Pallad and Shinga. And he said uh, about it, th- th- those who say, I've already read that, hmm, have not read it at all. Hmm. Um, so it's to, to repeat it and repeat it. And what, what is Pallad? You have to come by reading it to what Pallad was, what was his position. Amikichu China, Amikichu China, want anything. And Bhagavan the string is there. Take something. Hmm. He's there with the Gyan Mudra and the blessing him. This is what I do. I'm Bhagavan. I give bless. You have to take something. No. He just scared all the gods and goddesses and this little boy saying, I don't want anything. But I, that's what I do. I give things. You have to take. Finally, he said, Well, give bhakti to my father. Hmm. So. So, um, so we should study with our intellect, and and then uh, with a view to get insight and to, to practice, and and it, it should be such that I'm developing an affinity for hearing from Vaishnavas, senior Vaishnavas, for example, um, and looking for the opportunity. We, we see, a, I said mention this because we see a climate that's kind of opposed to that. That's been prominent. You know, I don't hear from anybody else. I don't want an opposition of this. This is a real, real problem. I gave the example the other night of Prabhupada's father. It came up. Prabhupada's father invited anything that looked like a sadhu to his house <laughs> for dinner, hmm? right? In the hope that he'd get some some point from him. Hmm? Even Prabhupada thought it was over the top, hmm? but it was a good, better, better that tendency. We, but people say, but you may get cheated, you may get cheated. You may get cheated by not going anywhere, not listening to anybody, think, being, being too cautious. Because if you look for good guidance only with your intellect alone, then you can, there's just plenty of reasons to decide this isn't, this isn't the right place. or It's a different way in which we find real spiritual guidance than just 
by the intellect. Guy puts down, makes a list, got to be like this, got to be like this, got to be like this, you know. You can write everybody off. And if you took the same list and you applied it to Prabhupada, you'd write him off too. But they don't, you know, they don't think like that. They don't, they don't realize that. Hmm? <laughs> so it's not the right way to go about it. The way to go about looking for spiritual guidance is to really understand that you need it. And if you really feel you need it, you will have a necessity hmm, that the transcendental system will answer to and provide. Parikshit Maharaj is the example. He had a necessity. I mean, to say he had a necessity by circumstance, he was going to die, but he had a necessity, that doesn't necessarily mean he was going to do what he did, but he he went to the bank of the Ganges he, to fast and understand what is death. You know, he had a real internal necessity. His name, Parikshit, means inquirer. So he was inquiring submissively and all kinds of people were around to offer advice, but the boy Sukadeva appeared out of out of nowhere, right, naked, and everybody could. Here's the answer to your to his to your to your your the spirit of your your inquiry. There was no internet or Facebook, you know. Let everybody know, you know, Rikshit's over here and he's out. Yeah. So there's a system, if you will. God can hear the heart. So if it's in the right place, there's no really there is no shortage of help. There's a shortage of interest in, in help. And how much help do we need? I mean, uh, you know, you want to put a limit on that? <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Hmm. Yes, so the, that, that's the... The, the, the spirit in which one really finds good good guidance or some guidance it helps me for a while and then I may have to go on from there as well and that may be part of the the um, the the the, uh, the path so um, that's another thing you know the critical thinking has to you use critical thinking to get involved in the beginning why should you throw it out once you join hmm? not uh, so you may have thought, 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 thought certain things at a certain time were Krishna conscious and and uh, about spiritual figures in certain ways and so at the time you may think differently, not disrespectfully, but hmm? it's, that's the beauty of it. If you're really progressing, things are changing. Hmm? And wow, I never thought about it like that. And this is what, that's what you want. Hmm? When you don't have that, you know, that kind of climate, then... Yeah. I think you kind of figured it all out. It's good enough. Well, I'll tell everybody else about it. You know, people I meet wherever. You know, try to beat them over the head with it, what what they should be doing and so forth. But there's no real life in my own practice. And, I mean, I've a couple of times given lectures over the years, and um, and some devotees attended, and the lectures were geared more towards new people because that was the primary crowd. But some devotees in the area came. And um, I can remember one I gave in San Diego, and afterwards somebody raised their hand and said, Marsh, could you talk a little bit about the chanting? And, and, and you know, I could understand what she was a lady, but what she was thinking, like, okay, you know, he said all that stuff, but you didn't say anything about the chanting. And, but, and, she, and she didn't realize that a lot of things I was saying were for you <laughs> to understand, you know, that, you, that, that uh, I'm not just preaching to the new people, but you. Uh, 
So she just had to say, these, these sessions are just for bringing in new people. We know everything. Hmm? This kind of, this is a real problem, this kind of thinking. And my experience was with Prabhupada, it wasn't like that. Cause we were getting a 400-page book every month, you know, like you didn't know everything. Because like, here was another 400 pages with four-armed and 400-armed and headed people and so forth. And so it was pretty mind-exploding, if you will, and you're pretty open to new possibilities. Uh, you know, so uh, anyway, there's a spirit to learning, but um, we got off on a, a track about that. But we're talking about nishta, basically, and we're talking about if there is some way to determine what would be a little practice in bhakti that would result in going to the heavenly planets and then taking birth in a pious family, or what would constitute being more advanced on the path of bhakti and taking birth in a family of transcendentalists, and so. I would a, a practical way to make the the cut, if you will, is that nishta is about, as I'm saying, real experiential spiritual life. One aspect about it that we're speaking about is this 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 kind of like when you speak a language, you learn a language, and suddenly you start somebody's talking, you're I understood what he said. You ever have that when you have that experience? It's not like yeah, you start to. It's a whole different thing. It's not like I know the words, the word meant this. It's like I heard it in a way that I didn't hear the words. I heard the meaning. Hmm? I heard the meaning. And I'm there. Like when we talk, we don't think, and this word means this, and this word means that. And, you know, we're just talking. We're in a culture. Language is expressing a, a whole culture. So when you're learning a language, and then you're in the, the culture of the people, and you're talking with them, and first you're, you know, thinking about every word you're saying and every word they're saying that means this, and sometimes you just catch the phrase and it just goes in, right? So nishta is something like that. It just goes in. And you got it. And you're starting to be, like Subal once said about me, it's very generous of me. He said, he's fluent in Vaishnavism, like it was a language. <laughs> he's fluent in it, you know. So it was cute. But um, uh, so that's what we want anyway. Was generous as I said. So we want to be fluent in Vaishnavism, and 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 we want to be yeah. So nishta is 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 like this. This is what it means to be involved in the culture of the Bhagavatam. Hmm? And yeah, yeah, a spiritual environment. Rather than you've got bhakti and you've got material desires, which are still prominent, they're getting in the way of your practice. So, go to heaven for a while. You're going to be a special person in heaven because you didn't get there just by wanting to go there, per se. I mean, wanting material desires, having them, is wanting to go there, whether you say it or not, or think it out like that. That's the implication. But um, but you have other desires, too. I mean, you have a desire to attain bhakti, and you have some understanding of that, and, you know, it, it you may very seriously and sincerely pray like that, but prior to Nishta, then the likelihood would be you get material facility. Another way to think, of course, in Bhakti Vinod's Thakur's discourse, you have the Shraddha Nama Bas, Shraddha, as opposed to the ordinary Nama Bas. I think we talked about that the other night a little bit. So someone who has faith and is on the path, then they're going to chant and from Nam Aparad that goes to Nam Abbas to, to Shudanam. 
And so for Nam Aparad, like Pujapatrita Marsh taking that kind of body, he said, by Nam Aparad you can get material facility. Hmm. So you do Nam Aparad. Hmm. means your typical person um, in Bengal, now it would be here as well, as the culture of Gaudiya Vaishnavism spreads, but your typical person, he's or she's born in a family of devotees for a couple of generations, and that's my religion. And uh, but I don't know much about it. I chant. I like it, kind of. And um, but I don't have any sabanda gyan. And so, when I don't have sabanda gyan, then I can obviously make offenses because if you don't have the sabanda gyan, you don't know. The chanting the name of Krishna and chanting the name of Kali, which is popular in Bengal, are two different things, and they're two different results, and they shouldn't be equated. That's a nam aparad. So you haven't heard that about that offense. You haven't heard that to think that nam sankirtan hmm, is like other yagyas. Prabhupada talked about as a child, there was a drought in Bengal, and people got together and did nam sankirtan to get rain. It's not what you're supposed to do Nam Sankirtan for, but they might have thought, you know, well, we could do a horse yogi or, you know, something else, but we'll do Nam Sankirtan. So, so or somebody does a Kirtan album, hmm, uh, you know, and uh, he wants to raise all the money to help uh, impoverished people in India. And so everybody donates, and it sounds great, but he doesn't have somebody again. Kirtan is not for that. It's not for for... for it's for the it's 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 for the pleasure of Bhagwan that should be done. That's that's what Kirtan is. It's not entertainment. And it's not for the attainment of anything. We attach no um, appeal to that. It's just a glorification of Krishna. Hmm? This is Kirtan. You can do the words, but what is Kirtan? So you say it's Kirtan. It's Nam Aparad. Hmm? So anyway, from that you can get material things. So you can go to heaven and so forth. From Nama Bas, uh, you can get Mukti. From Shuddha Nam, you can get Prem. So, where does where does the as Bhakti Vinod talks about it, short of Nama Bas, where does that start to manifest? As opposed to Nam, on a stage as he talks about of Nama Parad, the same we're talking about from Anishta to Nishta, Ruchi Asakti, the Shuddha Nam is coming. Should not for Bhakti even know what is the what is the proverbial pure devotee, which is a which is an Iskon word you know that we coined when we were pretty young the pure devotee, hmm. and then then there were those who had the pure devotee disease. <laughs> we used to say they had pratishta like they had you know taken a whole bulb of garlic or something and it was oozing with you know the desire to be acknowledged and recognized and so forth. It's sort of painful to see, but um, anyway, um, yeah. Uh, I've always kind of questioned, we, we look to Guru Maharaj and mm. his final reckoning, so to speak, when he realized his, his ambition was wrongly placed and he had darshan of the Lord and realized this is where I need to place my ambition solely and that I don't want anything else but he, he 38,000 years in the heavenly planet just because during his practice he was wanting 
to have a kingdom? Well, seems like a penal, uh, seems like a punishment as opposed to a, a reward to me. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if you just take it literally thirty-eight thousand lifetimes or years or what it was, but it's uh, it's a principle I think that um, that. Uh, of course, he got you know such without the negative implications of them either. When the good karma was then played out and all those heavenly type whatever uh, um, results were reaped, there was no coming down then, which is the typical um, trajectory of persons who pursue material ambition. That's why I say one who goes to the heavenly planets as a result of bhakti mixed with material desires, is going to be a different person there than one who goes there by karmakanda. Hmm? And if that person happens to be in heaven at the time when Krishna performs his leela, he may come down. Hmm? Or the leela. Hmm? And from there go up. Hmm? Because some of, the, some, of the, some of the associates, some of the devotees come from sadhana, from this plant, some come from heaven, some come from with Krishna. Hmm? But I was saying that, with regard to eating the garlic, that the, what is a pure devotee, when we said it was, we had this pure devotee disease, but the term pure devotee was kind of an ISKCON, early day, you know, term. But Bhaktivinod describes the, the, the Shuddha Bhakta, to put it into Sanskrit, as Ruchi. Because why? He's saying, as Mahaprabhu said, he has no other desire. Only desires bhakti. Hmm. So with that was his in bhakti tattva vivek. You find this explanation of bhakti vinod. So these stages, nishta ruchi asakti, they're very. These are very spiritual stages of of sadhana. Hmm. And so one in those stages will take birth in a Vaishnava family. Hmm. I don't know, 38,000 lifetimes. Get it out of your system. 30 a million years. I think it's just to make a, make, make a point that... Uh, and there's many points to be made. One point is, if you want material desires, do bhakti. Hmm? Look what you could get, you know. Yeah. And no, no further implications when it's over. You know, come down. And, uh, so somebody else did right their hand raised. You've described Nishta as an interim goal. Do you consider that an interim goal for this lifetime? But that's interim meaning that's like a mid goal for this lifetime. So what's. what's well, it's a, it's a goal that you have to go through. I mean, you, Mahaprabhu says that, that in the, from the, let me teach you how by chanting. With these ornaments, hmm, um, or these these uh, ornaments, humility, tolerance, uh, offering respect to others, not pursuing respect to oneself, one can chant and very quickly attain the goal. So he's saying, it's like I've given an example here. You want to go to the valley on the other side. You have to climb the mountain to get to get the top. You may get to the top, it's still a long distance, but it's but you're going downhill from there. So Nishta is something like that. So you have to go to the top to get, you know, to the other other side. So and you can, you know, take a deep breath there. Ah. And um the struggle is going up. 
much more than going down. So it's an interim goal. It's a goal that, that I think I, when I talk about it, that I also mean like, okay, you should know theoretically this is your goal to attain brain and some, have some theoretical knowledge about that and so forth. And then I've given an example. If you go to a mall and it's, you want to go to room 108 and you look at the map and it says room 108 is up here and then it says and you are here. You have to know both things. Hmm? And if you know that 108 is on the second floor, you know, then you got to go to the second floor to get there. When I get to the second floor, okay, now it's I'm closer. I don't have to go up the stairs. So, I mean, I'm just saying that that um, it's practical to... Uh, it's, it's important to know the goal, but it's important to apply yourself in terms of where you are at, at the moment. Hmm? So you make the next step. So you're looking to up there, and you take the next step, and you, you, you fall over. Um, so, um, so to, to you know to be to make your goal to be humble as a blade of grass, to be tolerant, and so on and so forth. It's it's a, it's a hard goal in, in in itself. But if you can bend that much, you can be that flexible. Then you could get a body that would be full of transformations. <laughs> um, so it's it's. Uh, but yeah, you should. I don't. It's not about lifetimes. It's about you know you want to attain the highest goal. So now set your mark for here and get there, and you can get it in this life. You get it tomorrow and the next day, you can get the next goal too. I mean, that's not a matter of I should set my goal for Nishta in this lifetime, and I set my. Goal. But um, you know, as far as that goes, of course, sometimes it's asked. You know, can I attain in one life and. Of course, we say no. It takes many lives, or we say yes. In one life, you can, and when you have, you know, the determination, this life I will, then a few lives like that, then you can be successful. But, but the, really, the question is resolved by by Mahaprabhu. What does he say about it? Yeah, and what else? Adanam Najanam, Ba, Jagadish Kamaye. That's the line you want to remember. You got the right verse. Mama Janmani Janmanishpare. So how many births will I have to take? Mahabharata says, and that's not even a question, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm in a stage of Ruchi, you know, not thinking about how many I'm just thinking of bhakti. It doesn't matter where I am. Hmm? What does um um Chitraketu say? Or she would say? Hmm? About Chitraketu, about the Vishnu Bhaktas to Parvati? Sixth scandal of Bhagavatam. He says, "Nara, Pavarga Pavargeshu Apitu Darta Darshanam." Nara, Apavarga Pavarga Apavarga. Liberated, unliberated, in heaven or hell, it doesn't matter. Chitraketu was cursed by Parvati, and he said, "Okay, Madhuri." Parvati was sitting on the lap of, of Shiva, and he made kind of a joke about it. Okay, look at that guy. He looks like, looks like a renunciate, but he seems to be handpicked. Yeah. He said something like that. Yeah. But uh, so she was angry with him, and, and then she said, just see, what is the position of the devotees of Narayan? Hmm? Narayana Parasarve, he said, Nakutas Janabibati, Svaragopa Bhargana Rakeshu, Apitudar Darshanam. 
there. This is their position. Whether they're heaven or hell, liberated or unliberated, it doesn't matter. They just want to do bhakti. That's all. So no curse can can trouble them. He became Vritrasura, wasn't it? And if you if you study the prayers of the, the of Vritrasur, he speaks about Rag Bhakti. And the demon, he's a demon, Vritrasur. And what was he being uh, struck by lightning or something by Indra? And in 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 his words there, he's teaching about Rag Bhakti. Hmm. Very very interesting. So. Um, this is the position of the devotee. So, when will you, you know, what? When you get to the stage where you, it's not an issue, then that's that's a goal. That's another interim goal. <laughs> How many lives will it take? Mahaprabhu said, "He's not. That's not a good question. That's not. As long as you have that question, it's going to take you a while. But when you no longer have the question, and still you're only in the stage of ruchi, so you have to go to asakti, bhav, prem, and so forth. But it's no longer an issue. You're bathing in the moonbeams of, of of bhakti, of Shuddha bhakti. So that's why Puja Patrita Maharaj used to say that the stage of ruchi, one is safe, can help others. Hmm. You got one foot here, one foot there. Hmm. In the stage of nishta, you got two feet here, and your eyes are always there. Hmm. And then in prem, there's two feet there. Hmm. Now, does somebody from there extend one foot here? <laughs> that's the question. That's possible. Hmm. So. But that verse from the, those two verses from the Gita are very nice. They, they they make another very profound point that I really like, worth worth repeating, and that is that the the approach to experiential spiritual life, yoga, hmm, karma yoga, not just karma, hmm, or jnana yoga or bhakti yoga. Hmm, a spiritual orientation, a tra- the life of the transcendentalist is such that if the life of the transcendentalist is pursued, then one is not successful in that life. Hmm. They will get all that you could possibly get by the life of karma or piety. Hmm. Hmm. For hundreds of lifetimes, he said, if you go to you could become a Brahma for a hundred lifetimes of perfectly performing the moral codes and so forth. Just by imperfectly practicing yoga, you can do, you can go there. You can get all of that by imperfectly practicing the path. Hmm? It just gives you some perspective. Therefore, Shrama Eva Hikavalam. This is such a strong statement from the Bhagavatam. You should understand this point. I I do emphasize it from time to time, but. The moral life is not the spiritual life. Do not try to don't don't try to merge them like that. Bhagavatam has very strong language. Shrama means hard work, labor. Hmm? Shrama eva hi kevalam. Kevalam means only. So Shrama Kevalam 
only labor. It's only hard labor. Hmm? And he means certainly, and eva means for sure. Shrama, eva, he kevalam. I mean, it's such a strong statement. It's just, it, the statement is that varnashram, which means, let's give it a generic, you know, universal translation here, the moral life. The moral life is a complete waste of time, for sure, without a doubt, because it doesn't give bhakti. Therefore, it's, it's, it's nowhere. It is only the shadow of the real good, and you cannot be perfectly good, morally speaking. It's impossible. It's not possible. That's the whole teaching. Therefore, go to heaven and you come down. Go to heaven and come down. Hmm. What's and that's another nice point, of course. Krishna says several times in the Gita, from the planet, heavenly planets, you come down. What's the point? Hmm. There are planets that you don't come down from. That's the point. Hmm. Heavenly planets, you can do all this on the path of karma, and you can get there, and you live for ten million, zillion, trillion years, and then come down again. But But my planet is different, he says. My planet is different. My planet is different. Once you go there, I can't, I won't let you go. Never. This is an important point. Krishna derives pleasure in four ways. Deva Goswami is taught. One, from his own being. Another, from his own opulences. Another, from his own imagination. And another, from the relationship with his devotees. And that one is certainly the primary one. Hmm? That is a case in which the Sarup Shakti, which is in him, that's called Swarup Ananda. Hmm? The, swarup, the Ananda of his own Swarup is different than the Ananda of his Swarup Shakti. The Swarup Shakti is within him, but it, when it manifests outwardly as Radha, the, the personification of devotion, and in every devotee there's a little Radha, as I sometimes say, hmm? then that's interacting with that Swarup Shakti Ananda it overshadows, if you will, and exceeds the joy, the bliss of his own Swarupananda, or his opulences, or his, 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 his thoughts, and so forth. So, it's not like, you don't want to have a situation where Krishna's pleasure is diminishing because people are dropping out of the spiritual world. Do you understand? Yeah. I do, I do want to ask a follow-up question. Yeah, Okay. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to go there and come back. That's not the point. <laughs> but, um, but I just think that, you know, on this planet, Vrindavan is, it's an unmanifest state. A pure devotee goes to Vrindavan and is with Krishna, can see Krishna in his pastimes there. And so, it seems 
possible that there could be like, you know, I mean, just like Gopal Kumar coming, and I and I know that, that could be could be interested citizens coming from there here. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like for yeah, I don't disagree. So, but it's not not, not typical. It's not um, not uh, I don't know. Whatever you know, Narada Muni comes or something. You know, I mean, it's it's. There, 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 there is, there, there, is, there, is, there is, you know, that kind of idea is there a little bit, but it's particularly, if at all, for the most part, more relative to Baikunta. You have, for example, Vishnu Dutas come into the world. Not everybody could see them, but they come. Hmm. This kind of thing. You know, Vaikuntha is more, more in proximity, if you will, to the world. Hmm. It's the saved, and then there's those in need of salvation. Hmm. It's the it's the manifestation that fulfills the ambition of Narayan to bestow mukti. Hmm. That's what this world is. So it's kind of connected, if you will. Now Krishna has a desire to bestow rag bhakti, but only he can. He has to come to show what rag bhakti is, bring his group, and so forth. Um, so yeah, it's possible, but. I'm just kind of, I'm kind of, excuse me, but I'm giving a kind of a corrective also because as I've, over the years, what I've heard is suddenly this guy's becoming a Yasuda, now that one is, now that one is, now that one is, they're all like, I'm like, so, uh, really? It's a, it's a little, you know, over the top, and and, 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 and what's wrong with the Sadhana Siddha? Is there's something wrong with that? It'd be nice if there were some of them, because there's examples, you could, could be encouraged by. So... No, That's I all. understood your point, and I was yeah. appreciating it, but I was... Yeah, because I was, I was saying, you know, how Sanatana Goswami does use that as a, not in a literal way of sending Gopakumar down to Radharani, sending him down for this Brahmin, and it's, you know, it's like the ultimate, of, I mean, especially if you're going to think that you're going to leave and... You know, and you might come back, and well, and Prophet said, you know, he said, uh, didn't he say something like he would come back? Once we asked Sridhar Maharaj about that, he said, he said, typically that, you know, typically then, you know, the the guru will depart, and and then if if the devotee hasn't perfected themselves, then they take birth again, and and then the guru is one guru is Krishna, so another guru will come, and you know, you'll feel. What attracts you to the guru is the fact that Krishna is present there. Mm, to me, it's all attractive. So, so another guru will come, and then, and then, then one of us said, "Well, what if you know? What if we really want that one?" And he said, "Oh, I see what you mean." Yeah. And they said, "Then you know, then he may hear the prayers, and he may go to Krishna, and he may say, Krishna, they're calling me.'" And uh, he says, "Well, I'll send somebody else. You know, I've got so and so down there." And then he may say, "But no, I, they want me." So, all right, then go. So he talked about it like that. So no harm thinking of it like that, but it's probably more of a um, more of a more of a story than. I'm not too good at that. Yeah. The point was, don't make him do it. Not that he's 
So, but yeah, it doesn't. I mean, Prabhupada. I sat with Prabhupada once in Mayapur, and uh, it was the year that he he became ill, and then he was not going to go to the Vrindavan half of the festival. So I went to see him. I said, "I'm not going to go to the Vrindavan half of the festival." He said, "Why not?" I said, "Well, because you're not going, and you're the festival." And they said, "Oh, well, yeah." He said that. He said, but, you know, he said, my Guru Maharaj is uh, always with me wherever I go. You're a preacher, you should go. I will be there, just like Bhagavad Gita. It was spoken a long time ago, but you hear the verse now, Krishna's there, he spoke about it like that. But uh, I don't think those sentiments are lost when I express. They're very endearing. Also, if we endear ourselves to a Vaishnava and he or she thinks about us at any point, that's certainly good for us. Bhakti's very funny, actually. As I said, in Bhakti, it's very like material life in, in some respects. So those kind of thoughts are natural. You can have friends in bhakti. So many laments on the part of great devotees for the association of others who they've lost and so forth. So those are good feelings. Hmm. They won't. They won't. They won't go in vain. How they will play out, that is up to Krishna. Right? How he will respond. Yes. But not to throw caution to the wind, because sometimes we see these these sentiments standing in the way of a proper understanding of the Siddhanta. That's why we. What was the term you used? You don't want to humor me, right? There's been a there's been a there's been a wave like this for a while, you know, where the sentiment is like overriding the teaching. It's a problem. So, so sometimes we have to, but in the right situation, and all those sentiments would be much appreciated, and we can go with those ideas. But right, if they get in the way of the siddhanta, then it's a problem. So, what was the time? Okay. We'll stop there.